Hi, I'm Chud X. And I'm Lanny. And this is the world as it is today. Okay, here we are, episode 44 of the world as it is today. Right on. Yeah, moving along there. Uh, <laughs> today is Tuesday before Thanksgiving as we record this. And you have some time off. Yep, I'm on, I'm on vacation. It's, uh, it's excellent. It's really nice. I think, I don't know how many years now, five years at least, mm-hmm. at least, where you've tried to take a co- at least a couple extra days off around Thanksgiving week. Yeah, yeah. It's my theoretical like tradition. Yes. But it I, hasn't always worked. It hasn't always worked, but... And sometimes it's just been like one extra day. Mm-hmm. But like when you worked at the body shop, mm-hmm. you got your birthday off when you were at, at that a little job that we had. Mm-hmm. They give you a paid day off for your birthday, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, it was. And your birthday is just before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then we would also have be closed on Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. So like there I could take so you a, could take a take seven day vacation and only have to cover like, like two, two days, two use, use two days of your vacation time or whatever. And that's the way it's working out this time too, in a completely different sort of way. But I only had to get three shifts covered to, to mm-hmm. take seven in a row. Yeah. Which is really nice. I wish I wasn't so tired. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. The first night, I don't know if you noticed, but you slept for like nine or ten hours. I did not notice that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was amazing. Oh, yeah, because I slept early. Because you fell asleep early, and then you came down from the baby's room after putting him to bed. And then we we fell asleep pretty early, like Mm -hmm. 8.30, Mm -hmm. and slept till like almost six in the morning. Yeah. And that's like late waking up for you and like early to bed for you. It was, it was like, Oh, well we need that. Yeah. I'm glad to have gotten it. I was going to take a road trip that day, a solo road trip. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't not cause I don't want to go on the trip, but it just, I've, I've been, I'm still so tired. I feel like I'm going to do it in a few days instead. And I feel like I'll have kind of caught up with sleep and, and to be caught up on chores here too. I was leaving, I would have been leaving with a lot to do and that would make me be thinking about here more. It'd be nice to just kind of disconnect. For a yeah. Minute. I'm glad for that reason that you switched it around. Yeah. Um, you, we've been putting up some shelves in the basement for my canning, uh, projects to go up mm-hmm. and those are up now and I'm filling them and it's very satisfying that that's happening. Like we had one before and I filled it and then we needed a second one and then we needed to anchor them in. So we had to take all the jars back off that first shelf. And despite you saying it was fine, I was like, no, I'm going to redo the first shelf since we took everything off. I repositioned all the shelving to make it fit perfectly. No. Yeah. And now we have two that are spaced exactly the same right next to each other. These are those like wire kitchen racks. We yeah. Should, and we the, should say the four, four poles mm-hmm. and then, you know, wire racks that you can set in any, I don't know, what are those one inch increments? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be great. And after that's up, then I can figure out what I'm using the rest of the space for, um, a little better. Um, part of canning is, I think people always say like, I've heard the, well, I don't think people always say, but I've heard the joke online, at least, um, like a meme, the hardest part of canning is figuring out to where to put the jars when you're done. Huh. And I'm like, yes. And you know what else? 
is figuring out where to put the empty jars after you eat the food. Okay, I was going to ask, is that is that with food or without Yeah, food? they just mean like you're done canning, you know, you have 20 cans of jam and then now you have to put those away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like now I've, I've canned there's, over. There's, there's two challenges there though because then you have a whole lot of empties too. Yes, yeah, so then after you, wasteful. as you go through the food throughout the year, you have, you know, one at a time, but like one jar here, one jar there. And there's a period of time throughout the year where you're not really canning or you're not canning much mm-hmm. and then you're not filling those again. So then you just have these empty jars that you have to store somewhere to. So I'm keeping that in mind when I'm organizing these shelves to keep space, mm-hmm. to hold space <laughs> for my canning jars. Hold space. Um, it's an appropriate term for it that. It is. It absolutely is. Um, so yeah, that's been pretty exciting. I, I think I've done well over 200 jars Yeah. Uh, this year. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Just, I mean, I'm not counting, but you know, just looking at it when you just look at it just look at it and if you think that my canners both of them only hold seven quarts per per cycle like my water bath canner is seven quarts um at a time seven quart jars can be processed at a time and same with my pressure canner seven quart jars at a time it can i can do like 16 i think uh when i do uh, pints in the quart in the pressure canner but it's only like nine in the water bath canner. Mm-hmm. So either way, it's like each batch of those has taken me a long, a lot of time, mm-hmm. but it's like this year for the first time, it feels like it's clicked into being just part of like a routine. Like, Oh, today I'm going to make dinner and I'm just going to make extra of this and put it in the canner. Mm-hmm. You know, today I'm making roast chicken. So I'm making broth that's going to go in the canner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, it feels really good now because that's what I don't know. people always talk about, like starting new skills and it being really challenging and how, you know, like, how could you make all your own bread? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I just made it enough times that I don't have to look at a recipe or think about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I can just like f- understand where I can be flexible with it so that I can manage my time. And then it just becomes part of your routine. I don't know who it was. I just heard the other day talk about how like how hard it is to do certain things. And they're like, well, you don't think like brushing your teeth every day is really hard because brushing your teeth is really, really easy. It's a routine. You've done it since you were a kid. You have your brush in a certain spot and your paste in a certain spot and you're running water. Yeah. You're all set up. And you do it so frequently that when you don't do it, you feel like you missed a beat. Mm -hmm. So that's what baking bread has become in 2022 for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I am proud to say it's been probably months since I bought bread for our house in any form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got English muffins for our nine-year-old. I seeing those around. He, he likes those. Um, but I need to start making those. I haven't tried that one yet. Didn't you? No, I guess you made something that reminded me of. English muffins, but they yeah. were supposed to be like dinner rolls or something. Yeah, I made something that were was a kind of a fail, but also good. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what's the best part about making all the bread was been. It's like even the fails are like delicious. Oh man, we have all this failure bread that's delicious. It's <laughs> still really warm. It's just fresh not bread. the exact shape yeah. that you were going exactly. for. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Crumb or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's good. Like yesterday, I did for for the first time canned meat sauce. Uh, like pasta sauce. Yeah. And we got seven quarts of like meat sauce that's like ready to go for a night. We don't know what to do for dinner. You just heat that up. That in and of itself, I could make it into a soup if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I could put it on lasagna. I could put oh, yeah. it on um, eggplant parmesan. 
could be pizza with pizza it. sauce. Yeah, with your meat already in there. It's it's ground beef and um, our sausage. your our Italian sausage, mm-hmm. and it was with our own tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And oh, I oh and the peels. Yeah, and then I skinned the tomatoes. I removed the like skins of the tomatoes, dehydrated those, then pureed those to like pulse them in the food processor, making a tomato powder. And I believe if I reconstitute that tomato par- powder, I make basically like a um, tomato paste, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I'm so impressed on that one. I never would have thought of that. That's I, I, you're a genius. Uh, I didn't think I've of never it. Never been I think more that attracted was... to you. <laughs> That's amazing. I think that was Tammy that told me to do that, uh-huh. or she mentioned that she does that, and I never researched it or anything. It just made sense in my head. So. There we go. I did it. <laughs> and it worked out just fine without looking further into it. Um, and they uh, they dried in the dehydrator really fast. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like so thin. But the other part to that was that I froze our tomatoes. As the tomatoes became ripe, I would put them in a gal- um, rinse them off and put them in a gallon Ziploc bag and threw them in our freezer. Mm-hmm. And we're getting ready to make sausage this week. So I was trying to get the freezer ready for sausage. Um, and I saw the tomatoes and I'm like, I got to use these. Well, I had heard that they're easier to peel after they've been frozen anyway, which makes sense because I freeze my cherries before I make anything with my cherries because it'll make them, when you thaw them again, they release their juices. So it's easier to separate the liquid from the cherry Uh and so that you don't get something that's too juicy. You know, you can control the liquid in your recipe, right? Well, classic fruit. Right. Yeah. The cell walls burst and they release their liquid. That's what they say. Uh, that's what they say. I've never seen Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I see they get juicier after their thought. So the tomatoes were supposed to um, have the skins come off really easy. So from frozen, I took those tomatoes and just threw them into like hot tap water. And I like tried to pick up a tomato and just skin just falls off. Yeah. So then I threw the still partially frozen, frozen tomatoes into a pot brought them up to a boil, boiled them for a while, and then used the immersion blender to puree them into a sauce. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, that was easy. I didn't even core them or anything. Yeah. Like people are taking seeds and cores out. That's uh, that's crazy. That's too much. Uh-huh. You're, you're making a puree with it. It's going to be fine. Yep. So anyway, that's what we've been doing, and it's fun. And you're, I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving stuff, but I think we're going to do sausage first, probably tomorrow, the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully breakfast sausage Italian sausage and some bratwurst because mm-hmm. the freezer is empty of sausage. We'll be stocked up for a while. Yep. Um, yeah. Have some stuff for others and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that'll be really great. For sure. Definitely uh, feels like so far using the time that you have off in a, in a good way, yeah. in a productive way. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had this topic that I don't know how to say what what it is yeah you tried telling me ahead of time and i was like i think i get that yeah so if i just start talking then it'll be what it is and like maybe by the end of the episode i'll know what to name our episode okay okay that's that's the goal figure Mm -hmm. out a name for what the heck it is that we're we're gonna try and suss out here yeah okay so online or in advice columns or your friends your girlfriends Ladies are telling each other, you you need to find a good man to marry. You need to find someone who would be a good dad. You need to find a good husband, a provider, someone who would support you, right? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that. I was like, how would one do that? How would you find that person, right? 
did I, and then I thought about it. How did I find that person? And I thought I didn't. And this, this is about you. It's no offense. This is like, walk with me here. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see. You are not the same man that I married. I married. I've been cloned. <laughs> it makes so much sense. This is not the reality we live. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So tell me. What <laughs> you just light your hair on fire. <laughs> what or happened? I've been waiting for this. For, I've been trying to figure this out for a while. So no, okay, I'm not the man you married. So what I'm I've saying a here, lot. you're yeah. saying I've changed a lot in the last 15 years. How long have we been together? 12 years. Okay. We're working on our 13th year, I think. Okay. Together. And I, I'm think I think don't quote that me. Sounds on that sounds about right. We'll, we'll say we've been uh, Baker's dozen. Ten to fifteen. <laughs> yeah, ten to fifteen. Baker's dozen. Um, I'm Jewish. <laughs> don't say <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so uh, so okay. So we've been together for a long time, and you've changed a lot during that time, and so have I. And I think that we've both changed positively to meet the needs of the other person. Yeah. And that's what makes us have a good relationship and that's what makes you a good husband and me a good wife right mm-hmm. or good partners right is that we continue to change and adapt with each other as things happen and continue to improve um i didn't find someone who would be a good dad because you can't find someone who would be a good dad if they're not a dad mm-hmm. does that make sense i can't i could pick someone who's a good dad be- that it has a divorce and has three kids and I could see, wow, he's a really good dad. In but spite if, of all this, he's still a good dad. But if we're talking young people dating and getting to know each other, you can't know that he's a good dad. You can't know that he's a good husband. And he's not a good dad or a good husband because he's not those things. Uh-huh. And he's never been given the opportunity to do those things and be good at those things. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking is what seems to be more really, really important when you're early in a relationship and deciding if you're going to commit to each other is one, the decision of the commitment and both parties being all in. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe that's two because one, number one would be shared morals and values. Yeah. And not the nitpicky stuff. Like I like my whites starched. Do people starch <laughs> stuff anymore? <laughs> White starched. This is laundry. Yes. yes. Gotcha. I need my, I don't even know what that is. Starch. I, I mean, I know what it is like in a potato, but uh, I have no idea when it comes to laundry. Something I, you spray on a shirt spray when, you're, starch when you're ironing to like iron it. it, it or maybe it instead stiff. of ironing. Yeah. It it's to make it something? stiff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's fancy I've laundry. I've never lived that life. So. I know. See, we have these shared morals <laughs> and values of not giving a shit about our laundry. So, um, but it's like, it's not the nitpicky stuff. Like how, if you put the forks in the dishwasher with the tongs down or up, mm-hmm. it's, it's the really important stuff. Like we never lie. We don't keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we won't, uh, withhold ourselves emotionally from each other. Not that these, that, that particularly that happens from time to time, but we have to keep ourselves in check. Sure. It's, know, a, like, it's moments. It's not, it's yeah. never been more than we, a, we don't want part to of a day. That. That's yeah. not, that's not our goal is to right. do that. We, Sometimes it like accidentally happens. We have stuff that's like kind of off limits and whether or not we completely talked it through initially, um, you know, we did, we talked about money a little bit. Money's usually a big 
fighting point for couples. Mm -hmm. And I remember what you said to me after you proposed to me and we were driving to my parents' house and you were going to tell my dad that you asked me to marry you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I should, (laughs) I I don't know what you're going to say because it's so simple, but it really made sense to me at the time. I was like, we were just talking. I was like, I don't know. Like my parents always were fighting about money and I, I'm like, just so scared. We're, we're going to be poor. You know, I know we're going to be poor, you know, financial. I know we're going to have below income. Like, I don't want to, how do we not fight about money? Yeah. And you, you said it's, it's fine. It's just, you know, if we have a bill, we pay it. Uh-huh. But when I heard you say that, I was like, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, like, and I think that's two prong to say prong again <laughs> is um, one is like, we don't spend the money unless we have it to pay the bill. And two, if we do have the bill, we earn the money to pay it. Yeah. You know, as, as you're saying that, that's uh, so I guess I could have said that to someone else and they would have been like, well, that's not the point of a credit card. A yeah, credit card yeah. is that you can buy things that you can't but, afford. But you, know, you, you know, and I both, something. like, you had a credit card and I did not at this time in our relationship. And this was like on the drive back. From, this was after yeah, you just proposed, after proposing. like after we went and we went to, we went out to eat afterwards. And then my we profound wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then I think maybe not at the time as much, but like since then I've been thinking, I was like, my parents fighting about money was not about money. My parents fighting about money was about my dad hiding things from my mom. Oh yeah, totally. And from her, her feeling like she didn't have control and her not having her own income because she wasn't working at the time, you know, the most of the fights, well, no, it's, it's consistent, but for a long time she was a stay at home mom. She didn't have her own income. She was responsible to sending the checks out to keep the lights on. And he was doing all sorts of crazy shit, buying trucks and new businesses, new houses, things like huge things, taking huge amounts of debts out loans and stuff without ever consulting her. Mm-hmm. And so those shared morals and values coming back to the foundation of what we share is that we are always honest with each other and we do not withhold information, no secrets. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we stick to adhere to that principle, then we don't fight about money, Mm -hmm. right? Because the fighting about money wasn't about being poor. The fighting about money for my parents was about the lies. The, The fight isn't usually like, Hey honey, I want to buy X. And honey, and this is in general, not just us, uh-huh. I, th- I think. Uh, I want to buy X. And, and honey says, no, we can't. We can't afford it. And then there's a fight about whether or not we can afford it. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. a thing. Like, that would be nice if that's what money fights were. Mm-hmm. But, it, like, I, I think uh, 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 a wise psychic on a TV show once said... Um, that uh, he finds that when people are arguing about money, it's rarely about money. It's rarely about money. It's like, are you being generous with other things? Are you being generous with empathy? Uh-huh. Was what this line from the show that we then paused the show and talked about this <laughs> for, moment for, like for a long time. An hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's really, really true because like the, the scenario I set up with, with we want to buy this, but we, you know, arguing about whether or not we can afford it. That's a healthy argument. You know, mm-hmm. probably, you know, like, cause, cause in that case, nobody's deceiving anybody. Mm-hmm. It's that you're having a disagreement on whether or not, um, uh, I don't know what something's like, a uh, a, a, a schemobile. 
Yeah. Like, I think that we need one because... A, s- a snowmobile. My dad bought a snowmobile without telling my mom to. Oh, see, of course, I picked something. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> in mind. the yard forever. We never had snow. But, uh, yeah, say I wanted to buy, buy that or a jet ski because sometimes we go to the water or sometimes we have snow, you know, and when we do, it would be really great to... Ha- and I have a list of practical reasons that this would be great during those times, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but it wouldn't be that I went and bought... See, that would become about something totally different if I went and bought a jet ski and brought it home and had it dropped off. And you're like, do you have a trailer for that? Yeah, like, it's like, what, <laughs> do you, start, what do you like, use that for? We don't for? have water on our property that you can use yeah, that with. Yeah, and, and you, you can't you, tow like, it to the lake. You know, um, but or or say I do have all the all my ducks in a row and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to start doing this. And you just know with my lifestyle, I like never go to the water just to dick around, <laughs> you right. know, like I'd love to do that. It would be me spending a ton of money on something cause I'd like to do that, but it's not going to be a value. And so for, for money stuff for us, like without even thinking about it, we always check with each other if we're making a larger purchase and a larger purchase could even be $50. You know, if we're buying something that maybe doesn't seem worth 50 bucks to us, but we know the nicest ones are $50, you know, and Uh we think maybe if we made this purchase, we'd never have to get another one of those things again, Uh you know, then we're going to have a conversation about it. Um, If you want to buy a new tool, you talk to me first. And right now I'm not making my own income besides, you know, I'm, you know, hustling here and there or whatever. Um, And and just to be clear with buying a tool, you mean a real, an expensive tool. Well, yeah. Like, like, I, don't, I don't call you from the hardware store and say, I'm thinking about buying this pair of pliers. No, but you, you, know? you if you were going to buy a bunch of cheap stuff at the hardware store and spend $100, mm-hmm. we would talk first. Yeah. Or if you were going to go, if you were making an investment to buy a tool that was 100 or a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm spending over 100 bucks on a tool, yeah. I'm, I'm probably not buying it the first time I look at it and know that's price. You're considering it. You're considering other options for things we have that could be used instead. Uh-huh. You're considering its value and it's how long it'll last and if it will be valuable again and again. And you're considering the price for the quality of what you're getting and which one you should buy, you know, mm-hmm. price comparison and stuff. And I can think of moments where we've needed an expensive tool and we need it. It's like, to me, it's not an option. We, this, like now that we have a tractor, we're going to need a torque wrench of, with a certain amount of poundage. And I don't have that. And it's kind of expensive. I, I'll tell you before I do, you know, but I'm telling you, like, yeah. it's not, it's not up for debate. I mean, you might, you, but the, here's the thing is it would, it could be up for debate. It's just that I know I'll win that debate because I have a pretty persuasive argument. Like we have a, a, a much more expensive investment <laughs> that we need to preserve by yeah. making sure that the wheels don't fall. But off. that one specifically, you still talk to me about it. Yeah. And and I encouraged you to purchase it and to like make sure, you know, where should we buy it? Is this a Harbor Freight situation? Or are we, go, are we going, you know, up upgrading from that? What How much are we spending? Exactly. And it was, uh, I mean, it wasn't that much. No. I mean, it was probably like an $80, an $80 tool. But I already have the tool, essentially. Right. Just not, not for something of that weight, but it's like, what else will I ever use this for? You know, like I've used it for other things, but I could have used my smaller one. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's maybe there. Uh, and it was something you couldn't buy at Harbor Freight. Right. They, you know, they don't make them sure. at, at, at this level. So, so it's like, it's, uh, gotta, gotta go to, uh, either a hardware store or I think I actually went with the, with the tractor supply one. Mm-hmm. Well, like all of these like little types of 
arguments. You could also talk about the way laundry is done. You leaving your socks on the floor next to your side of the bed. And like that could be an argument for somebody. Yeah. But if you dial it back. The cat that peed on the, on the clothes that I'd leave next to the bed died. <laughs> so I can leave clothes on the floor beside the bed again. I, I, why you got to bring this up on a podcast? <laughs> why, why do you have to bring that up on a podcast? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so awkward. Okay. So we like thinking about that argument though, like people have like, it's not about the socks on the floor. It's about the person feeling like the per- other person doesn't care how they feel. Mm-hmm. It could be me being upset that you don't care that I don't want to have to pick up your socks. You know what I mean? And like for us, there's things that are important to me that maybe not be as important to you. And I tell you those things and you try to do them because yeah. you know, it makes me happy. And uh, just for, for this particular situation, uh, it's, that's a bad habit that I've had my whole life of leaving dirty clothes next to my bed. And I still have that habit. And I ask you to always correct me. Yeah. You know, like I'll, I've, I've like made a promise essentially. I don't think I've ever said I promise. No, but, I've heard you say, but, but like, I want to pick those up. I just have this nasty habit of, of not like I have a nasty habit of, I do it before bed when I'm tired and in my head, I'm always like, yeah, I'll get that in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning it's dark and I leave. And, and if you were a single guy, they would just stay there until there was enough that I they were in the way. <laughs> they were, you'd be enough that they would be in the way or that you were picking them up because you were going to do laundry Yeah, or, and it's, or wearing and it's a bad habit. And I hope that before I, I die, I'll have corrected that habit. It's just, it's like never been a priority habit. And within that, um, it, and if, if you don't like it, I want you to say something and it never, ever bothers me. Right. And I do sometimes, or I'll just ask you, can you get all the, that la- can you grab all the laundry and bring it to the laundry room for me? Mm-hmm. Cause then that makes you pick up your own stuff. You decide what needs to be washed and what doesn't. And you're helping me by moving the, the heavy hamper to the other room. Um, now it, it could go vice versa. Like if there was something that you were particular about, that I didn't do perfectly, which hasn't ever happened because everything I do is perfect. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's, it's so awesome to live with you and share, share your perfect life. <laughs> it's so great. But I mean, th- then you would just tell me too. And like, you would say it in a way where it was constructive. It didn't seem like an attack. Mm-hmm. And it's because we have mutual respect for each other. And we've decided that we're going in on this relationship forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you want to just even that, I can think of what, uh, an example. Oh God, I don't want you to. No, I'm just I, kidding. I ask Please. you to put all any cords that you ever oh, go to put away, put them in, in this box Yes. over here so I can see where they are. Otherwise you don't know what they are. You don't care what they are, but you want them out of sight. So you put them in the nearest drawer. Yeah. And then I'm like looking for a cord to charge something and it's like, it'll drive me crazy. Cause I'm not the cleanest and most organized person, but clean s- surfaces in my work areas, which would be the kitchen and the living room. Um, and less the office now, that's important for me because I don't feel like I can be creative or productive if I'm starting off with the cluttered space. So I, and I, when I don't know what to do, because it's not my stuff, I just stick it somewhere. And and this is partly my fault that it gets there too, because like I left a cord on, on the kitchen counter as I left it five in the morning. And then you start first thing in the morning 
by just clearing off that counter and sticking it in that drawer that's like right there. It makes total sense. Everyone has it. It's it's called the drunk junk drawer. But but then I don't remember that I left it on the counter. So when I come home and I'm I just kind of start looking and I it's like it's not in the box where it should be, you know, like, and this and that and you know then when I do find that it was in that drawer, it's like oh honey, can you remember to do that? And yeah. you've never been like God, I try. No. No. Dad. <laughs> Dad. Okay. Dad. I do what I want. Um, so anyway, I don't know, but thinking about you, the, well, cause part of this started too, for me thinking about how lucky I am to have you uh-huh. and then realizing how did I do that? How did I get do it? This isn't, is this lucky, you know, kind of a thing mm-hmm. is this luck. And then also like, how did this happen? Like, how did we do this? So, okay. I just want to interject i see I, I think i see where you're going yeah but i just want to i want to give a brief uh story that i hope doesn't make you feel uncomfortable uh to to go on our on our big topic here okay um of find find a, a, a husband who will be a good dad yeah and that i've changed so much in the last 10 years mm-hmm. right uh my first live-in girlfriend mm. Uh, was when I was very young. It moved along fairly fast, and it could have ended in marriage kind of a thing. It was like, it kind of, kind of, I think that was her plan. It mm-hmm. was never mine. And the reason I got out of that relationship when I did was, like, this would be the, exactly what I said, you know, a hundred times in the next year or two, was that she was trying, she was waiting for me to change. Mm. She wanted me to change. And uh, what that, when I, when I evaluate that with what you've been laying down today, uh, the reason, it's not that I didn't, I'm not going to change, wasn't why I would say that. It's because the change she wanted didn't align with my moral code. At that time, which my moral code realistically, deep at its core, has never changed. Yeah. Right? But it's manifested itself slightly differently throughout time. And at that time... Everything was about being independent, different, and uh, not not um, fit any mold. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to, to just I didn't want I I didn't want to be like anyone else. Not conforming to society's yeah. ideas and ideals of you. Conforming would have been yeah. a word that you know, like I'm a nonconformist, like me and yeah. all my other friends that are nonconformists. Just like uh, me. <laughs> just the dress, just and act just like me. But uh, but what she wanted me to change to was more of what I saw as a conformity of of the world. Like you wanted you to go to college and have a better job and that yep. kind of stuff. Um, well, I had a pretty damn good job. You know, I was I, I wasn't I wasn't a lazy bum and I and I did good work and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I watched horror movies and listened to punk rock and uh, you know wore tattered clothing. And had long hair and didn't shave. Um, <laughs> see, my moral code really, really hasn't, hasn't changed. changed at yeah, that's all uh, those things that I liked about you when we first met, and I still do. Right, and and she, but she didn't like those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it was uh, like we just had different uh, different um, things we liked, you know, which is fine. I don't think that's like a deal breaker at all. But there was this, like, I I really felt like she was uh, folding her 
her hands together and twiddling her thumbs and just biding time until he, till he, you know, figures it out and just fucking gets a haircut and, you know, looks like everyone else and does and listens. How do you know she felt like that? Was I don't. there like, was there ever subtle, like, oh, you should get a haircut or like, I like guys with short hair, like kind of comments? No, it wasn't nothing like yeah. passive like that. Um, more like, look at my sister and her husband. Um, you know, like, nobody gives them sly glances from across the street. Mm. We get sly glances from people because, because she wasn't, she wasn't particularly normal looking or anything. She was just kind of a nerdy, you know, what would she have been? 20, uh, yeah. uh, whatever. And, um, but then I'm this like total hippie looking dude who is into fucking fucked up heavy metal and. I eat mushrooms and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm someone that at that time people would think about calling the cops just cause I was walking by <laughs> and she didn't like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, she didn't say you need to cut your hair, but, uh, like you ever want to go clothes shopping might've been something she would ask and I'd be like, I don't know. And then like when we'd be in a place where there's clothes, you'd look good in this, uh, you know, kind of uh-huh. stuff and be like. Yeah, well, you know, maybe in 20 years I'll find it in a thrift store would be my <laughs> thought. <laughs> you know, like, uh, to me, like, normal behavior like that was just off the table. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a normal guy. I'm not going to be a normal guy. I'm not going to ever enjoy going to touristy places. She wanted to go to touristy places. I wanted to go in the middle of buttfuck nowhere and, and pitch a tent, you know. Yeah. Uh, those, those types of things. And I know that doesn't seem like morals. Right. But it's but it it kind of it's like the I don't know. I want to say it still is my moral code that was that was not jiving. What well, do you think? I didn't I didn't start our relationship thinking about how you would get better later. Mm-hmm. I I was like, I like you now. Uh-huh. And we continued to just rise to the occasion together as we went on. So I never looked at you thinking I wish you would get a different clothes. Well, when I wanted you to get your hair cut, I cut your hair. <laughs> You remember? Yeah. I was like, I don't really like guys with long hair. And I just said that without thinking. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I've thought things like that, but I've never like thought out the logistics of how someone would not have long hair. <laughs> you cut it and then I cut your hair. Yeah. But, and then it know, looked I really know, bad. Scissors in the mirror. It seems like I might poke my eye out and you're like, you could have someone else cut it. And, I, and then I, I was, was like, like, I never huh. really, I've never really liked guys huh. with beards either. Right. <laughs> And, and and you shaved your beard. Oh, when I had that crazy long mustache. The most hideous mustache of all time, and it was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Chud's beard in all its glory, and then you just shaved the rest off and left the whole mustache. <laughs> so it was down to like almost your nipples. It was like a Yosemite Sam situation, and it was... Which is why you have a cousin who still to this day calls me Yosemite Sam. Right. It's uh, It was glorious. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I, I must say, and, um, that comes from, you know, my, I have a history of liking guys that have comical facial hair. I'll say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know about your ex's, uh, <laughs> tiny mustache under his nose. I did date a half Mexican that looked like a full Mexican and he had a Hitler mustache <laughs> when I met him and it was funny. <laughs> it was, and it wasn't like he didn't realize he had a Hitler mustache. He did it because it, it Cause made it, people uncomfortable yeah, right, right. and it was funny to him. And that was really funny. But see, there's a great example. There's somebody I meet. He makes me laugh. We have things in common like horror movies and weird music. 
and it seems great, but then it was horrible. It was a train wreck. It was a terrible relationship. I could, I could talk about how dysfunctional that was and how traumatized I was by it and how much healing I had to do after that when we were together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I won't, but I will say why was that? Well, he had no morals or values. He, he didn't care. He was, he was taking, he was a, he was a leech, you know, he was a, he He had had nothing to offer. No. And so there wasn't, in, in fact, what he offered was removal of other, you know, like more taking, (laughs) yeah so like if if we would have stayed together or whatever we were together for too long three and a half years or something Mm -hmm. um the i think the two second the last two years of the relationship were me trying to figure out how to get out of it and being too scared knowing that it was going to be really difficult Mm -hmm. and it was very difficult but it was because he was just like it was more like I was a possession and someone that he could wanted to be angry at for being in his way. Mm-hmm. And then I became an excuse for things like why he didn't have a job or, you know, like whatever there was a problem for the people around him were just excuses for him not having everything the way he should, you know, mm-hmm. like just really entitled, which is weird because you grew up poor and stuff, but he grew up poor and with really fucked up parents and grandparents that coddled him. And you see that actually a lot Mm -hmm. like grandparents that coddled them like grandparents do, but no parents there with any discipline. Mm -hmm. And like his mom was a crackhead, like just total shitbag. And it was, it was like, we had the, the, we came together on, on things we liked and, and, and our sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I met you, we had that, those two things in common we made each other laugh and you had a gross sense of humor. You made a rusty trombone joke when we... Joke? You explained to me what a rusty <laughs> trombone was. You know what a rusty trombone is, right? Like I, was, I think I was, yeah, I was telling you about a, something I'd said to someone else and, I was, and, it, and it involved mentioning a rusty trombone. And it's like, yeah, you know what, you know what like, a rusty uh, trombone yeah, is, Yeah, I know. Right? And you, and That's where you, where you lick a guy's like, asshole and jerk him <laughs> off at the same time. And I, <laughs> and I did know what it was and then we laughed. It was great. So... There were those moments and then also like the horror movies and like the weird music aspect. And I remember at some point going, what am I doing? Like, I can't like someone who likes the things that I like because they will always be shitbags. I had that moment where I was like, if you like trauma movies, you're a fucking shitbag. It's true. (laughs) But like, I like trauma movies and I wasn't a shitbag. Like... I'm a shitbag, but I'm not a shitbag. You know what I mean? Well, see, yeah, you might not live a shitbag lifestyle, but by watching trauma movies, You're you a shit are bag. a shitbag. It's <laughs> so, just a different kind of shitbag. So bag. really bad, low-budget horror, you know, you can also you can like those things and also have a job. You can like those things and also be able to function in society as much as you need to to get by. You can like those things and still be a good dad or a good husband. Mm-hmm. And, and that's – I did have a moment when we were early in our relationship that I was really worried I was making a – bad decision again because that's also another thing society because i was saying things like oh i shouldn't ever have kids i mean look at fucking everything <laughs> about my life like, and, and I, having kids with you was the last thing i was thinking about even yeah. when we were engaged and you know you know we i i don't know that we mutually like agreed not to have kids at all but i made it real clear in our early relationship like i don't i've always thought i've i never thought that i should have kids really 
Yeah, and I kind of was the same with that. Like I, and I really, I didn't put much. I wasn't concerned about it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the only concern was that I wouldn't accidentally get pregnant, you know, <laughs> and that that was taken care of. So that I'm okay. Well, you know, I'm just on the on the main topic again. Like me, openly saying that at that time to any. One who's reading that article saying looking for a guy who's going to be a great dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I verbally trumped that immediately by saying I don't want to be a dad. Therefore, this guy could never be a great dad. Sure. Lo and behold, I, the same person who said that and meant it, turn out to be, you know, all right, dad. A decent dad. Not, You're not here. too bad. <laughs> but no, that, that's, that's the thing, though, because neither of us wanted to be parents until we were together. You know what I mean? Until we realized how what our relationship was. Yeah. And then also idiocracy. And then watching idiocracy <laughs> and being more honest and open with someone ever. I know it sounds like a joke. It is a joke to tell people that that idiocracy made that helped us make that decision. Yes. The beginning of idiocracy where they're talking about how the um, responsible couple just keeps waiting and never has kids and they die. And then the shitty like white trash guy has babies with a bunch of different ladies and his family tree is huge. Yes. And it, it, it sounds like a joke, but, and it kind of is a joke. It's a joke to say it out loud, but really like for real, that discussion was the first time ever in my adult life, at least that I thought about having kids. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is true. Like you keep just thinking it will be better later and it's never a good time to have kids. It's always going to be hard. It's always going to be financially difficult. It's always going to change things. But those weren't my reasons ever. Never was it that I didn't think I was ready or that this or that. Mm -hmm. I I mean, if I further evaluated it, sure. But my whole thing was like, it's fucking overpopulated here. Like I don't, I, I hate people. I think this world fucking sucks. Why would I want to bring another person in on an overpopulated fucking... Like, I thought at that time, every argument that I would ever be really passionate about, like, ended with that we're overpopulated. So and, you, and maybe not so much by the time I met you, but, you know, in the years before that, uh-huh. I mean, there was, like, a lot of my life that I just... I thought the best way for humanity to survive was to not have kids, you know? And so what changed then besides the idiocracy? So idiocracy is what did it. It really is because it made me start going, no, 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 no. Like overpopulation, yeah, still bad, right? Yeah, and now As, we don't even know if that's true. Yeah, now now I'm, uh, you know, 10 more steps past this. But at the time, I still thought overpopulation bad. But you and me are critical thinkers, we're independent, critical thinkers. And, oh, fuck, that's what happened in Idiocracy. It's not just that there were too many people. It's that there were too many people who just went with the flow. Too many people didn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah, all they wanted to do is get laid and and that's it. And then and, and there happens to be an other side of that where kids are born. And then the thoughtful people who, you know, want things to want to do it right. Not that even then I thought those people were good. I didn't no. like those no, people. No, they were just douchebag intellectual types. But... but well, just they're, they're placeholders for smart people. Yeah. And I saw you and I as smart people. I didn't want them to be the ones to populate the earth. I want critical thinkers like you and me. Yeah. Free and, people. And it was like, I don't know. I mean, a little, a, a, a little switch happened 
while watching that intro with you before pausing and having a talk um, that just hadn't ever switched before. And I'd seen the movie before. You know, yeah. it wasn't a new scene. Uh, but you was, hadn't seen it since you were married. You yeah. haven't seen it laying, laying in bed with your wife. <laughs> and I also hadn't seen it. Yeah, because of that, because of meeting you and being like with you for real, like for the first time ever being in a real relationship, I kind of see it. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, um, like that seemed like a real thing, like a, like a, like an attainable thing that, sure. that I don't know before it would have been me as a single dude who'd be like, yeah, maybe I should find some chick who's a critical thinker too. And we'll, hmm. we'll have a baby, you know, Instead, like. Instead it's like us rising to the occasion. We're now in this relationship where we both are certain that we're both all in. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden these, these opportunities reveal themselves. The idea of being parents reveal itself to us Mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like a bad idea anymore. Mm -hmm. That's why it's like, don't concern yourself too bad if you're going to have kids or not or whatever. Just try to find a person that you, both of you would go all in Mm -hmm. and that that's, that's that you share your morals and values and you're all in. Mm -hmm. You care what the other person feels like and you, you care how you affect them and you want to, you know, compromise and make things work together Mm -hmm. because both of you benefit each other's lives. Yeah. And then you have this reason to try to be a better person all the time. And you have a reason to try to rise to the occasion, like I keep saying, Mm -hmm. and then you end up wanting to have kids and then you end up being good parents. And then you are like, we need to homeschool our kids. And then you're like, we need to grow all of our own food. Mm -hmm. You know, it really escalated. We need to can all our own food. And then you're like, we need to prepare for the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. And somewhere in there you find, you start finding spirituality and religion. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's all a really beautiful thing. It is. It's, it feels good to like think like, yeah, I have that really good husband and father, that provider, that, that protector. Um, how did I do that? And it's like, well, we made each other. You know, it's a, it's a little off from the, from the main topic here, but I just feel, uh, I've said it in real life a couple times recently, and I feel like saying it at this time too, um, which is that, um, I heard a lot of people say before we had our first son, maybe even before I got married, I don't know, just before he, before him though, uh, people said things, one person in particular, (laughs) and I've mentioned it on a podcast before too, said don't do it. Your life will be over. Yeah. And I heard a lot of people in general, not saying it to me, but that was like a sentiment that I was. Oh yeah. That's like so aware of, you know, like especially through the twenties, my Mm twenties, you know, like people would, if anybody ever got pregnant, maybe I would even say that to them, you know, because look, I'm sitting here at this bar all the time and you're not gonna be able to do that anymore because you got some chick pregnant, you dumb shit. Why didn't you abort it? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of stupid ass shit. Um, but like, I I don't know, I gave this advice to, to someone, uh, in real life recently. And then I ended up saying it a couple of times, which is that your life isn't over when you have your first child, your life begins when you have your first child. And I know that just sounds hokey maybe, but it's so fucking true. Like I, I, before my first son was born, 
if someone had asked me, have you lived a, an enjoyable life? I would have said, absolutely. I could point to all these things that I'd, I've done. I've met famous people. I've, I've gone on tour with a band and I've done this and I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've lived a fucking amazing life. Um, and, and some people might follow that by saying, and I wouldn't give that up for the world. Right. But when, but not long after, maybe not the day after, but like once life settled in after having a kid, it was like, oh shit, everything I ever did before having this kid meant nothing. And it wasn't good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that I don't have good memories, you know, here and there. And I think there's a trap that, uh, uh, used to be more common than it is anymore, but it's that when someone has a kid, when they're a teenager or when they're 20, especially if they get married, people who marry their high school sweetheart, have a kid at 18 mm-hmm. and get locked into life and do it right by not messing around and getting a full-time job immediately and taking care of the family, having four more kids, whatever. I think that they get to be our age and they go, fuck, I wasted my life. I, I could have been in a band. I could have done all these things that I say that I've done that made me feel accomplished at one point, but now they feel like they're nothing if you go the other direction too hard, yeah, I think it feels the if you, opposite. If you kind of, yeah, skip through it. Well, I don't know. Some of those people, it feels like it's forced. Uh-huh. You know, like everything that we did was consensual. Uh-huh. Like getting married was consensual and, and deciding to have, you know, try to have a kid. Not even try. Decided to stop not trying to have kids yeah. was consensual. And um, I feel like when people get married, when they get pregnant when they're 18 or when they get married when they're 18 because they think they have to, to be able to have sex, um, cause of religious beliefs or their parents pressures or whatever. I think when people are pressured into anything, then they can feel like they regret something. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with that conformity that I was kind of talking about with my previous relationship earlier. Uh, I think like one, one young man that I knew 10 years ago or so who was having his first kid uh, said something to the effect of being sad because he could never play video games again. Oh, yeah. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, well, because I'm a dad now. You know, I'm going to be a dad. Something something to those effects. And I was just like, that's stupid. Like, you can still play video games. You know, and, um, and it seemed to be this, like, really? Like, I don't know. I know a lot of... I've known a lot of dads. And keep in mind, this guy was 18. Yeah. He was, he was having a kid too early. By yeah. some people's standards, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that's absolutely a fine time to start having kids. But what he didn't see is that you still have fun. You're going to have fun. If you enjoy video, video games are for kids, right? You're having yeah. kids, right? Like Have fun with com- your kids. Combine that. Don't forget how to play. Don't, don't say, I, oh, I, I've been playing. Now I have kids, so I have to stop playing so that they can play. No, you have time when by you're play, playing. And play, I just them mean play in, in general, general. Anything like, that's just for fun. Yeah, I've been having fun my whole life. Now I have kids. I can't have fun anymore. Uh, that's so not true. No. The, the best, the most fun you can have is with kids. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, it's never as fun to play. I'm going to get your belly if it's just me and you, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun at all. Uh, it's much more fun when you have a two-year-old. And the things that I used to think were fun that require not having a kid are mostly involve getting wasted yeah. and leaving that life behind uh, 
really made my life better. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that in whatever I'm saying about your life doesn't begin till you have kids. Maybe that's coming from, um, someone who's got an alcohol problem who gave that up. Yeah. Well, I mean like those 18 year olds, they could go for like, wait till you're 20 to have the kids and spend a year or two getting drunk and trying weed and like losing your job and then getting it back and quitting that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? All of that, that whole stretched out part of our lives where we were getting fucked up could have been condensed into like a year max and we would have gotten it out of our system. In this moment, I would say the perfect age to have kids by my little weird metric that I'm just making up would be like 25. Yeah. Because you're still young. You're still going to be spry while you have your kids. You're going to not be too old when you have grandkids, all those things. But you can really fuck your life up for a little bit and experience what it's like to get wasted. And And like, yeah, you do too much. Come back and, and still just start get a life, in on it. You know? Yeah, we met when um, when I was twenty five. You were older. Mm-hmm. You're older mm-hmm. than me, but I was twenty five when we met, and um, I had already done a lot and been ready to be done with it for a while. You know, I had been I don't know six months or whatever where I had been doing nothing. I wasn't even smoking any pot. I had moved back in with my parents. Not because I needed to, but because I needed to, to get better, to heal after having to split off from like really shitty people. And, uh, like that, that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. One part of me thinks, I don't know if I could have appreciated you as much if I didn't go through those other things. And another part of me thinks I would have appreciated you sooner if I wouldn't have gone off through all those things. Mm-hmm. Because part of me thinks that I was holding off a lot of of myself when we were new because I had been around bad people Mm -hmm. a lot that it was really hard for me to fully trust you because I was just expecting that I I'm so dumb that I didn't see that you're going to hurt me. Yeah. It's what about ism, but boy, I sure wish that we'd started our relationship earlier, you know, cause you would have been around less shitty people. You'd be less broken than you are right now. I think I feel that uh, I was, no, then, you mean? Yeah. Then yeah, I was, say just, I was. Uh, you, you just would have dealt with less shitty people, and I would have not gotten as fucked up. Because I, all my good times with getting fucked up were in the earlier part. Not that there wasn't a day or two here or there in the later parts of it, but that's when it starts just being blackouts. And it was like sad. Yeah, and it's like... And then you drinking by yourself and not going to bars anymore. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, fuck that. I don't want to go to the bar and fucking blackout. I'll just sit at a fire and play music by myself and drink all night, which might still be my favorite thing in the world to do. (laughs) I just haven't done it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've talked a lot about the, the, what I like being a good dad and a good provider and like that kind of stuff for men. What is it? What is it that makes me a good mom and a good wife? Uh, I don't know. Just doing whatever I want you to do. Whenever I want you to do it. That's no. not how our relationship works at all. No, because you're constantly growing, uh, like hundred percent, like because uh because look at greener postures and that kind of says it all. And not just because those are things that I'd benefit from, but because you're constantly making your life better, which happens to be the same life that me and our kids are living. So so we're we're, our lives are always improving because you're always improving your life. And in turn, 
we're always in, our lives are always improving, which helps improve your life. You know, yeah. like it's that that's why this really works at this stage in our relationship. All right. Yeah. Cause it's like when you look to the internet and they are like, you need a wife cause you want someone who's going to take care of herself. So she doesn't let herself go. Are you talking about the dark web? I don't do no, the dark web. I've I'm never seen anything like that web. on the internet. I'm talking <laughs> about stuff that algorithms probably shut yeah. at me because I'm a female. No, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure I see stuff like that, but I ignore, you know, some percentage of what is on my screen and on the internet because mm-hmm. I don't care about if it says promoted, promoted or anything like that. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't even look at it. So I don't, I do not know what people are saying a man should look for in a wife. You know, there's like a lot of arguments lately of like women saying things like, why can't there, why aren't there any good men? Oh, they've always said that. And like you see some memes that are like, well, cause he's home with his wife and his kids. Mm. You're, you're 40. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you're just been sleeping with a bunch of dudes and like going to bars and clubbing with your friends and treating people like trash. Most dudes who are available in their forties are either chronically single or they're, they've, they've been married at least, at least once, if not three times. Yeah. And well, I don't know. I, I don't mean to, to dog on anyone for being divorced, but it doesn't, um, it, it brings down your likelihood of being a good dude. Sure. Well, there's, yeah, there's a little more variables in there, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, you know, but yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's like, why, why? And also like, why do you think that a, as a woman, why would I think that I deserve someone who's a good provider and who is going to like take care of me in a traditional way, a traditional like gender role, what kind of way, like, um, why would I think that if I'm not a traditional woman, if I'm not a woman who um, is going to, you know, cl- clean the house and take care of the kids and, you know, do all the other things that were true. Like, I can't just want to have my nails and hair done and spend thousands of dollars on makeup and and clothing in a month, but not work and have someone support me mm-hmm. while I refuse to cook and clean. Cause I'm not going to do that. That's not like, you know what I mean? Sassy, yeah. like yeah. La- like a hot lady stuff saying like that you don't do that kind of shit. You're above that or whatever. Like what, like what world that's that programming that, that consumerist programming, that feminism on fucking steroids, like that's gone, it's gone so far to the other way mm-hmm. that we don't want to do any of that. And we don't think that we need to work. Like that's, it's insane to me. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not working outside of the house and making an income, I'm needing to work inside of the house to make that value of that, you know, so my time is still valuable. And if I was working outside of the house, making an income, I would still think that our home needs to be taken care of. And that would, a, a large part of that would fall on me either way. Yeah. It's like, it, it's an unrealistic expectation for a woman to think um, that they could just like party all the time mm-hmm. and have someone, um, uh, what do they call it? Sugar daddy. Yeah. Have a sugar daddy who just like sweeps them up. If they're saying that that's what makes a good man, of course there are no good men because they are far and few between and you gotta be super hot to land one of those dudes or whatever. Yeah. And then I, but I mean, and the, the, those are the women that keep saying like tr- needing to be treated like a queen. Right. Right. Yeah. They want to be treated like a queen. And then, and then on the other hand you have, as you're, as you're saying, like the, um, career women as well, who are like, I want, I want to not be a homemaker 
but I want to find a husband who would want a homemaker wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not making a point. Well, there. I want I want a husband who would <clears throat> still like want to take care of me, but I'm showing him that he doesn't need to take care of me. Right, but he better not be a piece of shit. Yeah. That's uh that that stays that just sits around and and has a sugar mama. Well, it's <laughs> like if if you if you are um if you want a man who's a provider and a protector, but you're like a predator and you're like, you're like a go-getter career woman. Mm-hmm. You don't need a provider or a protector. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're showing people that you don't need that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all of us need to be taken care of by both, both ends. I mean, cause this can go in reverse too. And it's more commonly, um, shit on is guys who expect their wives to have dinner on the table when they get home. They don't want them to go to work. They need to take care of the kids. Um, they can't speak when they're not spoken to. And we think of this as an abusive guy because the ones I'm talking about, they're maybe not bringing in much money and they're not emotionally supporting their wife and they're not treating her with any respect. Everything is, they are entitled to this because the wife is like their property. Yes. And that is bullshit too. I work so that I don't have to think when I get home. Yeah, and then I don't have to do anything around the house. Yeah. And that's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. A man who works and has a stay-at-home wife still has stuff to do around the house. Oh, yeah. And it might be mostly outside. There's spiders. <laughs> there's spiders. <laughs> but there's there's a lawn to mow and the garbage to take out. Absolutely. And, and the oil to change in the car. Even, and even in that nuclear family that we're not as big a fans of as you might think, like, that that man didn't shouldn't if that man came home and put his feet up he was a dick yeah um and and maybe he had days where he does that and it doesn't necessarily make him a dick but a good guy in that situation would be like they their saturdays are packed yeah you know they've got they've got busy weekends they don't just go fishing although hopefully they they did from time to time you know kind of but it's like these shitty trashier guys think like going to their dead-end job and bringing that paycheck home entitles them to have somebody take their boots off at the end of the day and bring yeah. them a martini. Right. And it's like, that stuff was TV. That's not what anyone's doing. What you hope is that both people are working hard and treating each other with respect and supporting each other emotionally, mm-hmm. being generous with their empathy, mm-hmm. right? Being generous with the time that they spend with each other, um, supporting that whole person, you know, not, not just, uh, I don't know, expecting something out of someone and not really, I don't, it's almost like they're not married to each other. It's like they, he has a wife and a wife does this stuff or, and she's like, I have a man and he, he's handsome and he brings in a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but when we're together, we're like, you can see it too in other couples, you know, the ones that you're like, don't want to hang out with and then there's ones where you're like those two people are best friends they like take care of each other and support each other in ways that people can't even understand that they probably don't even realize Mm -hmm. and i think like a lot of this what we have here is because we it's just because we decided to to um go all in with somebody that shares the same values yep i think that's the that's that's the secret to the successful marriage, you know, kind of thing. And I know it's not that simple. It's not just, you know, understanding your own moral code 
can be a difficult thing. Yeah. Some people might be born with a roadmap to it, but other people, it might take a whole lot of uh, soul searching, yeah. wh whatever form that takes. Um, and I, I didn't realize that I would even think to look for that in another person or in a friend. Mm -hmm. I thought that I would never know people who cared as much about me as being honest. Like I care, like the deal breaker for me is that like no one, you never lie. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to don't do it. And all the friends that I had up until you were liars, not all of them, but some of the closest people in my life lied to me chronically Yeah, yeah. and it was never good. Mm -hmm. And it was like the, to, you know, same with my parents relationship and the way my dad treated my mom. And then you meet me and I'm like brutally honest. <laughs> Like, like the, the, you're like, yeah, that dress makes your butt look fat. No, cause I don't, I don't, <laughs> you don't I'm so, I'm so brutally honest on. that I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I didn't notice your dress. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I function a little different. I, I take things in a little different than some people, you know? And now I know if I want you to notice clothing that I wear, I just have to tell you about it and have you look at it. Yeah. Well, once you tell, <laughs> once I, once you draw my attention to it, I'll, I'll, I have opinions, you yeah. know, I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not walking in noticing your new apron. Yeah. But if you t tell me you've got a new apron, I'll be like, wow, that thing looks like shit. Why are you wearing it? How much did you spend on it? You really want to fight about this <laughs> or no, whatever, you're or so whatever. Supportive my, of my but if that was choices. my reaction, I would give it to you because <laughs> I'm not, honest. I'm that level of brutally honest. Um, yeah. Brutally. No, you're just really well, honest. Okay, you're I just, just throw that word yeah, in there, but it's extremely I've, honest and you're, but you're not like disregarding my feelings when oh, you're telling not. me something, you'd tell me something in a nice and a constructive way. No, I, I definitely wouldn't, but I, um, I don't know. I'm never going to, how do I put it? My whole, my moral code has always been on that. I'm not going to deceive anyone to manipulate them. Yeah. And, um, I've known a lot of people who do that. Yes. And it's like something that like really impacted me when I was young. And it's like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of had this philosophy forever um that's like as long as you're being honest you can be as big a shitbag as you want and you're a good person yeah and um you know a lot of nuances to that that i'm not going to go into but um you know at the at the end of the day what that still is today is you can as long as you're a good member of your family and taking good care of your kids you can be as big a piece of shit as you want to be which for me, that big a piece of shit like statement is that I still watch trauma movies. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I hide trauma movies from my kids. I <laughs> <laughs> we put them away. They're, they, you don't even want them looking at the cases. That's there's just... there's some sitting under the TV in our bedroom though. I probably, oh, I know. I should probably move those. We have They Live sitting out, and I'm like, that's good. I want the kids to see yes. that. <laughs> we got They Live, but then right next to it, because remember, I. I went crazy and bought some new trauma movies yeah, there's some like really a bad year ones ago. Under there. The, the class of Newcomb High series was continued on. I know, and, and we watched them, and they were funny. And they were so good. <laughs> I mean, they were pieces of shit. Real, real Total bad. Total pieces Total of shit. Total garbage, but so much fun. And and that's what I mean. Like, I don't think, I, I still, it was my moral code then, and it's my moral code now, that I don't think anyone should judge me for watching stupid trauma movies. Right. They could judge me for acting like people in trauma movies. Uh -huh. You know, they could judge Which me Which is for... more like the crowd that I used to hang out with, <laughs> you know? Like, but, uh. but uh, you know, I don't know. Just fucking, fucking back off. Like, look at my family and tell me that I'm a bad person. 
just, I dare you, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. Or if you do, then, you know, I got, but then we need to talk. What What was the movie we just rewatched for Halloween? Was that Night of the Demons? Night of the Demons. That's a really good one. 1987. So so, that's it's, hot. That's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's, you that, remember the year. I loved that movie so much when, yeah. when it was newer, I was young. It was a big deal for me when I first saw it, for it was, sure. I remember in the halls in middle school, I heard this kid talking and he was talking about that movie. I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? You know, he's like, oh, this movie, you know, it was really bad, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but you've actually seen that, you know? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, we became friends for a couple months, like, cause he'd, he'd watch some of these yeah. movies, you know, but it was, it was one of those, you've really seen that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you cause no other kids were watching that shit. But what I was getting at is the, the, what's the fat guy's name in that? Hog. No. Is it Hog? Is it Piggy? Um, I feel like it was something to do with a pig. Shit. Well, he was dressed as a he pig. He was dressed as a pig. He had a pig nose. Um, God, he had some stupid punk name. Yeah. That that was like the people I hung out with. Yeah. He, he, that was Dude, he had any some boyfriend of the raddest lines in that movie. Like, I know. Hey, you want to play Postman? You'll be, the po- you'll be the stamp and I'll lick you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm Another saying. one where he says, uh, you want to play... Uh, uh, Pinocchio, you sit on my face and I tell lies. <laughs> <laughs> you sit on my face and tell me lies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Or, so no, no, you had it right. You're right. Uh, oh gosh. Stooge. Uh, Stooge. Stooge. I'm pretty sure. Stooge. Stooge. Studge. <laughs> Samson. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, something like that. We just saw it, but yeah, um, that that was funny. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think that. We talked about what I had on my mind. Yeah, it was a cool subject. Like, I don't know that we, I mean, I feel like we made a whole bunch of little points. Yeah, no, I don't think that, you know, somebody could take something away from this if they wanted to, but we're not the kind of podcast that's going to like spell out, here's the 10 ways you pick a partner that's going to last or some yeah, and bullshit. That's, and that's why we'll never be very and successful. We're never going to be successful. But for the, you know, a couple hundred people that listen to us, thank you for <laughs> for listening to us and um, hopefully you found this useful and if you have anything to add to the conversation, we always like to hear from you. So send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter or send us an email and that could be Instagram. We, I never promote it, but we have the world as it is today on Instagram. You can follow there. And I just, all I do is post updates when we have a new episode out and then me greener postures on Instagram and Twitter and Chud, Mr. Chud X indeed in the places in the places and emails the same. I have the world as it is today email. I hadn't checked it in months. It's at proton mail. And I went back there and checked it and we had a fan mail. I hadn't seen for like three months. So, oh. um, and then the gr- greener postures at PM.me is where most of our, that's what, our stuff that's uh, is now. funneled through. So if you yeah. have, need to reach me or Chud uh, for, for an email, that's the way to do it. So thanks guys. Oh, yeah. And I still I, I have a new podcast, so check oh, out. Oh yeah, be checking that out. I've I haven't listened to your third episode. How many do you have? Um, not including the mini one in the trailer. I think I have four. Okay. No, I have I'm, a, I'm a, a new behind. one. Yesterday came out. Um, that I'm talking about my Thanksgiving meal prep. Oh yeah, yeah. that's that's. It's great. just a quick half hour one, just kind of telling people what my method is, see if that helps you get organized for. For cooking a big meal where you want everything to be like hot and ready at the same time when you're you know hosting. I, I haven't listened to that yet. I I um <clears throat> I've been not very listening to a whole lot of podcasts. I've been on a 
semi-podfast. I don't know. <laughs> Podcast podfast? Uh, I've just been, I've been listening to a lot more music. I'm, I, I love this time of year and I'm just trying to keep my head nice and clear. And, uh, you know, I'm listening when I feel like it and not when I don't, but that ends up with that there's a ton of stuff I'm not listening to. So I haven't checked the, your most recent two, I suppose, out. But the one on pantry management blows my mind and I think it is beneficial to anyone with a kitchen. Period. Whether you're whether you're a prepper, or you're someone who's got a ton of experience in the kitchen, or you're just trying to start getting organized, or just want to think about what it would be like to get organized, I think anybody in any of those categories would benefit from that episode. Thank you. That's so nice. So that's the Greener Postures podcast. So uh, you can find that. I'll I'll have a link in the show notes here. You can find it greenerpostures.com/podcast as well. You know what I think you do so well on there. What? Is you're not intimidating. If I had never worked in a kitchen or preserved any food or done anything, I feel like I could listen to you and be inspired as opposed to a lot of like my favorite things around that would center around those things would be people who uh, are talking to me like I'm not new. Mm-hmm. And you're not talking to people like they're new, but you're talking in a way that's not intimidating at all. Well, thank you because that's kind of the point is I feel like every time I listen to a homesteading podcast, I hear people who act as experts or have guests that are experts and they're telling you the one way to do things. And when you talk to somebody like that, you skip a whole bunch of stuff without even realizing it. When you come from the perspective of you being an expert, you skip a lot of foundational information that's needed. And when I look at things holistically, like not that I'm an expert on one specific subject, I feel like it's, I do a better job explaining like a bigger picture of things, Mm -hmm. which makes it more accessible for more people. So that that's my goal is to get, this information out to people who maybe wouldn't, you're not the typical person to listen to homesteading podcasts and, but you're interested in that kind of information. You want to do more for yourself, rely less on the systems. That is the point. And then two, it's like, if you are a person who likes homesteading podcasts, but they can kind of make you feel discouraged because you feel like you might never get to the point where they're saying they are mm-hmm. I come in. You can check out my podcast because anybody can do what I'm doing. To on a, it's a scalable, you know, on a scalable level. I think to compare it to like something I might see on YouTube, I might watch a, a, a video on how to repair a part of a car. Mm-hmm. And the guy that makes the video has a lift and uh, all the tools in a, in a shop. And he mm-hmm. does the repair in like five seconds. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that didn't help me at all. Because I don't have any of the tools he used and I don't have a lift. But someone else could have all the tools and the lift and even like do it with that, but break it down in a way that's saying, look, I'm using these nomadic tools, but you can do it with, with these wrenches and a jack, yeah. you know, or not even a jack, but just crawl under your car if you're skinny enough, you know, right. things like that. And I think you kind of, you're the guy with the lift, mm-hmm. but you're explaining it to the guy that doesn't have power sure, tools. Sure, but I'm talking about when I didn't have the lift yet and how right. I used to do it. Yeah. So, so you're inspiring people. Not to ju- not only to just to in this case fix their car, but that man, if I enjoy fixing my car, I could take things so far as to eventually have a shop and I have a lift. You know, I don't know. Mm, thank that, you. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make sense, and I appreciate it like a lot. Because sometimes it's weird to feel like I'm just talking to myself, um, 
but I, I think, I think I'm going to do, I, I like it because I want to share the information. And I think me doing that verbally is, is the quickest and easiest and most efficient way for me to communicate. So if you're a person who listens to podcasts, then you've got that there. Me making videos on YouTube on the preserving today channel is great as well, but it is much more time consuming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying the idea of being able to get information out there through podcast. Yeah. So everybody tune the fuck in to greener postures. <laughs> Thank you. And let me know what you think. Yes. All right. Uh, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>